Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. Gobble gobble gobble. We appreciate it a lot. It's uh, it's strange times out there, but we know you guys are still listening. We're still getting good interaction on our social media posts and stuff like that. So uh, we appreciate you all very very much. Um, we are going to be spending most of today kind of doing a coronavirus update because this week is the week that a majority of the counties have applied to reopen. Uh, by the time you hear this, you will either be one day away from hearing what, which counties will be opening because Friday, May 15th, is the date that was set by Cape Brown to uh, reopen. Some of those counties, if certain a myriad of standards were met, uh, We'll talk more about that coming up, but uh, that's very, very timely, and we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it recently because, well, there's not that much extra to say, but there's new stuff to say this time. So we'll be getting to that on the podcast today. You can find us all over the place. We are on Instagram.com slash beers on us, social media, personal pages. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick is at PDD085 on Instagram. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio.com app, Stitcher, Omni. Tending to the fan.com. Uh, wherever you find them, if it is an option, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us out. Plus, you'll be able to be notified of when the next podcast is dropped, and you can listen to it at your leisure from there. Um, I did want to share this before we dive into our weekend beer and into the topic. Somebody uh tweeted this beer at us yesterday. And oh, I'm not on the Twitter live, so you got to keep me up to date on Well, that. he did tag you in it, but I know you're not on Twitter. Uh, the tweet is, what in the bloody hell? Ooh. It is a picture of... Boneyard Blood Orange Pale Ale. It is a picture of Untapped. Okay. The brewery is 450 North Brewing. 450 North Brewing. I don't know where that is. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm assuming it is on Route 450 North. Okay. That's an assumption. Sounds great. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, the beer is called Slushy XL Brunch Raspberry. Hard pass. Don't even want to know. Yes, you do. Well, I think I have no choice here. True. I <laughs> do have a microphone in front of me and am in talking at the moment. Smoothie style, Berliner Weiss, raspberry, maple syrup, granola, honey, 
almonds, brown sugar, and vanilla. Okay. Would you like to see what the beer looks like? Well. Are you ready to want to vomit inside of your body? I am wondering, I am assuming that this has probably got a bunch of lactose in it. I mean, that's probably a fair assumption, although it's a Berliner, Berliner Weiss, so. Hit me. That's not good, man. The beer literally is a red Slurpee. It looks like a red Slurpee. If you've never been to 7-Eleven, why? Uh, but it, it's a slushy. It's like an icy. You know, it's a, it's disgusting looking. <laughs> it is awful. And I don't understand why this beer exists. <laughs> Who wants this? Is this for the non-beer drinker exclusively? Like, ooh, I hate beer, but I like red Slurpees. <laughs> and then again, I hear red slushy, and I think raspberry. Why is there maple syrup, granola, honey, almonds, brown sugar, and vanilla mixed with raspberry smoothie? What? I... <laughs> what? Uh, Those flavors don't go together. I'm not. I'm not in. Well, I knew you wouldn't be in, but yeah. I wanted to show it to you because I figured it would be the most disgusting thing you'd ever seen. Um. Uh... Maybe. Yeah, that looks pretty bad. I've seen some hazy IPAs that look really gross, yeah. but that looks pretty bad. Is that foam at the top? It was foam at the top, which it... I don't really, again, understand. Yeah, that looks weird. Um, I, I feel like it was kind of in the realm of, you've talked about the cocktail-inspired beers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like that was kind of in the realm of that, even though it's not a cocktail, but it's like, hey, we're going to make a beer that's based on something else. Yeah. Something like, non-beer for right, like you know, maybe in terms of if we're going alcoholic drink, like raspberry daiquiri, right? Yeah, maybe that's sure. that's like a raspberry daiquiri beer, which again I feel like is disgusting, but <laughs> um, unless you're making it a sour, I suppose. Um, I also uh, repairman Ben, who came and uh, got one of your uh, your yep. beers. Yep, he responded to our Instagram posts from the episode and told me which ex novo beer I'd had. Oh yeah, I'd heard from some other friends as well. You should look up a picture of it while I say it, because you'll see just what I was talking about last week of it being orange. I saw one, yeah. Oh, you saw the picture. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was Los Novos Michelada, or Michelada. Yep, it's supposed to be a Michelada. Okay. And it was, uh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's like a Bloody Mary meets a beer. It's that, like a Michelob Bloody Mary. That would explain a yes, lot. Yes, Um, It is bright orange. <laughs> I know, and I can't believe I didn't think of it. I mean, I don't really drink, I don't really drink that stuff, but... Uh, but I know a lot of people that do. I can't believe I didn't even think that it was like a, a Michelada sort of thing. But that makes sense. So that was the answer from last week's podcast of uh, what on earth was I drinking <laughs> what from Ex Novo? What are you drinking? Because it was not the most interesting lager in the world. Uh, something comes across from Mike on Instagram. Just want to give a shout out to him as from well. Uh, not from you. No. Cooler Mike. Um, he made, a, made an essentials run at John's Marketplace the other day. And I love the lineup that he grabbed here. There's a couple Berlick beers. Ben Brewing. Brewery 26, um, an Ecliptic and Ruse collab, a Ferment, a Sun River, a Von Ebert, and a Frame barrel-aged beer that I can't quite tell what it is, but awesome variety there. He just, just thought, That was like his That was just beer. kind of his haul, and and uh, a shout-out to Brewery 26. He was really excited to try those uh, due to catching up on the podcast. So I oh, just want to give, cool. a little, give a little love to you out there, Mike, for... Uh, Diving into a bunch of different beers and being inspired by a bunch of idiots with some microphones in front of them. Uh, and hopefully uh, this will inspire me because I haven't seen these all over the place yet. Uh, is your post of all the Barley Browns beer yep. that you picked yourself up. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to get to that in my beer of the week. Oh, okay. So then, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll save that for you to talk about your week in beer. But I'm inspired to go find those now, minus the hazy that you got. Well, stay tuned, my friend. Okay.
Are we doing beer? Are we doing our week in beer now? Well, yeah. Okay, sure. I'll go first. Yeah, All go right. for it. <laughs> I'm excited. I actually have a decent week in beer. I know. Well, that picture proves to me that you went beer shopping this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so a few things. Um, I am still living Crowler life right now at Ye Olds Labarino. Um, Thankfully, the Crowlers are back. The Crowlers are back. Yeah, I just picked up some stuff today from the hardware store because um, on Friday, I'm going to give it a nice spring cleaning tune up. I mean, I'm always keeping it lubed up and, and ready to go so it doesn't break down. But I'd like that's to actually <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. There was no way I was going to say that without it get, without getting it. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, but I want to kind of almost deconstruct it and give it a, a total overhaul cleaning because it is not built to do what I am doing to it. Right. And so I would like to uh, pay it forward for all the love it's been giving me. Uh, some other cool things I had to, speaking of the Crowlers, I dropped off a delivery uh, at the Decom Pub and ran into friend of the show, former head brewer at Culmination, now production manager at Modern Times, Conrad Andrews. Was, What's up, Conrad? Ran into Conrad, and we social distance shared a 22 at Woodlawn Park. It was a very nice day. I believe it was last Thursday. First day of it being 80, maybe? No, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. That and was the day that I also went to a park with some friends and socially distanced and had some good beer, which I'll tell you about in a second. Yeah. So that was nice to just kind of catch up on catch up with him. Sounds like things at modern times are are kinda are kinda rolling and you know, we'll get into to phase one with Governor Brown and stuff like that later, but sounds like they're gearing up for that. Um so that was cool. It was good to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while, and it sounds like his life at, at Modern Times is is doing well for him. I also ran into Marcelo from Culmination, and he said that they were pretty because he just moved into the neighborhood at Slabtown. He said that they that they have started brewing again, which was really exciting. I know a lot of kind of some of the smaller mid level breweries have kind of had to step back a little bit in brewing just to try to get all their current inventory out. So he was really excited about that. So expect some you know new beer from Culmination in the next you know two to four weeks. Also, let's see. I've got a can that uh, my buddy Todd gave me a taste of, and I snagged one of the last ones that I haven't decided if I'm going to drink on my own, or maybe I'll bring it in here. It is an ale apothecary can. It is a dry hopped sour, which I thought we both agreed, which was fantastic. Nice. Um, It's a tall boy can. There wasn't much of it. I got one. Just the concept of Ale Apothecary being a can is more mind-blowing than Barley Brown's or Boneyard. It's it's unbelievable. The price point on it was solid. I mean, it was expensive. It was 8 bucks a can. But for an Ale Apothecary beer, when those 750s are $45, bucks, uh, $8 for 16 ounces is kind of a steal. Yeah. And the beer is fantastic. So maybe I will save it and bring it in here. But if it's a nice day... Look out. <laughs> that might be a porch beer right yeah, there. Yeah, that might be a porch beer. It was absolutely delicious. And I don't know if anybody else has got any more in the wild, but if you can find some, I would highly recommend trying to snag a can. Even if you don't really like sours, this is incredible. Um, give it a shot. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And then to my Barley Browns thing. So funny enough, I was at the park with Conrad and had, and I knew that, Cerevesa had gotten some ratchet strap in, and I hadn't had that yet, which is an IPA from Barley Browns. So we went to Cerevesa to pick up that, and I had, and it dawned on me I wanted to try every single one. So I have, a, I had a can. I got the six pack of ratchet strap, but I grabbed a couple more cans of the Pallet Jack, a couple cans of the Hand Truck Pale Ale, and then one can of the Occam's Hazer, the Hazy IPA, because I, I want, I want the the, the labels. I want to do something with them. I'm not quite sure what I want to do. You also did it for the IG. <laughs> Yes, yes, and I uh, did it for the IG as well. So I went through and I tasted all of them. Um, 
you know, Pallet Jack, we've talked about, we've kind of swooned on this show about this lately, and, and I'm still going to say We that. had it on the show. Yeah, but I thought, I thought, I think the Pallet Jack is the best of the all four. Um, I really enjoyed it. The Hand Truck Pale Ale was nice as well. Uh, more old school pale ale, like a, like a, like a mirror pond or more, more hoppy than a mirror pond, but less hoppy or less malty than a Sierra Nevada pale ale. Whoa. Yeah. I thought it was really cool, but definitely a malt malt presence. It's pretty rare that we do it that way, by the way. I know, I know. I, I was <laughs> thinking in my head, I was like, oh, softball. Um, <laughs> so it was definitely more malty than, say, like a cuddle puddle or I had a ruse pale ale that I think you were going to get into as well that I don't want to. Very different than that. Very much like an old school pale. So I thought that was kind of cool for a malt forward hoppy lover. Uh, the the uh, ratchet strap was my least favorite. Okay. I, I felt the malt presence for the IPA was a little heavy for me, a little rich. Um, so it was a more of like a Midwest East Coast IPA than yeah, a West Coast IPA. A little more old school, which kind of makes sense. You know, Barley Browns does live kind of in that old school life. Uh, and then the surprise for me was the Occam's Hazer. I it wasn't bad. I kind of enjoyed it. I don't think I'd go grab a six pack of it. I mean, it was definitely hazy. It was definitely juicy at first taste. I was kind of like, uh, I don't really know. But by the time I got to the bottom of it, uh, like the coating on my palate felt really dry, and I was starting to get some bitterness near the end. For a hazy, I I I, I fairly enjoyed it, uh, and so that just kind of led me to get a get a shot for the old Graham and throw that up there and the nice people at Barley Browns responded and they yes. even gave us a follow on Instagram. Oh. So, shout out to those guys again. Thank you for making great beer and um kind of keeping some old traditions alive while keeping up with the times too. Uh for me, my weekend beer consisted of also socially distancing at a park with some friends and uh, they live kind of over by Reed College and uh, we went to I think it's Kenilworth Park over there and so um, we stopped at Beermongers to get some beer before going to meet them. I was there today. And I got, they had just gotten in a bunch of Alvarado Street beer, mm. which we first talked about at the Bridgetown Beer House. Uh, I Battle the, of the Brands. Battle of the Brands, that's <clears throat> it. I was going to say Mystery Game um, because they were one of the breweries that was there. But uh, I did not remember what their beer was like. And I keep hearing more and more about Alvarado Street coming up into Portland. And so I asked the guy, I was like, Hey, uh, shout know. out day one, Robbie. Uh, yes. Shout out Robbie Rota. Um, we, I do not like hazies. Obviously I was like, what, what do they have here? That's a good, clear West coast IPA. And he pointed me to two of them. Um, one of them was literally called like no juice added. And then the other one was the Mai Tai IPA or the Maui Tai IPA. I forget the exact name of it. And I picked that one cause the can art was really cool and it was delightful. It's great. It was not overly tropical because it sounds scary to me yeah i would mm. understand why uh it had a really good bitterness in it and a really good balance of hops that kind of really kind of balanced it all out for me because i i could see why you'd be scared of like is this gonna be like a pineapple juice bomb mm -hmm. and i do not like pineapple in uh, anything in well, any capacity it, it was not it was quite good uh, i also got the ruse between worlds or between two worlds pale ale mm-hmm um, <clears throat> that was one of the most interesting pale ales I've had in a very, very long time. Yep. Um, and they said on the can that they, they used 
Southern Hemisphere hops or New Zealand hops, I believe it was, in the beer, which was not what they would have normally done in a pale ale like that. And I think that added such an interesting depth of flavor to it where it wasn't just like... Sometimes with pales, it's very one note. It's a simple, easy drinking beer. Mm -hmm. This was so flavorful. And it had some hop bitterness in it, even though it was a pale. It was so good. So, 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 so good. I've had that beer as well. And, like, their kind of flagship pale ale is the Phantom Shore, which is a Citra. I think they call it an extra pale ale. Um, One thing I love about Rue's pale ales is the hops always come through nicely. The bodies are really light. I find the bodies to be really light and yeah. soft. And I don't and and there's also like a, a characteristic. I don't know if it's a yeast thing. I don't know if it's a fermentation thing on their end or just a recipe design that kind of is their signature thing. But their pails to me taste like nobody else's in a positive way. Like I can have one of their pails and go, that's a ruse beer. Uh more so than I can with a lot of their other beers, mostly because I, my my palate isn't as versed in hazies, and they do a lot of hazies, uh, so I couldn't I couldn't be like, boom, that's a ruse hazy, or that's an ocean hazy, or that's a you know von Eber hazy, or whatever. I'm not I'm not there. But with their pails, I can tell when it's a ruse, and I think some of that stems from me being fortunate enough to have drank in their tap room frequently, and the fact that they're just really good. I think those guys know what they're doing with hops. Yeah. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that one. I also got a punk rock time from Berelick drink, and um, nice. it was uh, obviously delightful. We've talked about that. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Uh, the one disappointing beer that I got was a Sierra Nevada barrel-aged Narwhal Imperial Stout. Which is usually a big, big thing. Narwhal's a core brand of theirs. And I, I have had Narwhal and enjoyed it, and I saw barrel-aged. It was in a tall boy can, and I... Um, the price was great. It was like four fifty. Oh, interesting! And it was For a like tall boy, and it was like eleven <laughs> percent. And I was like, "This is—is is it from twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? It was this year's, okay. yeah." Um, and I was like, "This is really cheap for a really high ABV uh, pint can, and uh, or sixteen or uh, whatever it is." Shout out to the homeless people. Um, what? Well, they can buy a cheap, strong oh, beer. There you go. <laughs> um, I was really disappointed. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, like it wasn't bad. But it was way, way, way too alcoholy. Mm-hmm. Like it was just bowled me over with how strong of an alcohol flavor there was. And I mean, eleven percent is pretty high. Yep. Even for barrel aged stouts, like that's a lot of yep. ABV. And I was, I was pretty disappointed by that. I also had a disappointing experience more for me <laughs> than than the beer. Um, I'm an idiot and forgot that we already had this beer in the winter time on the podcast. In the Beer of the Week episode. Yes. Beer of the Week's portion. I know. I know. And I, I look back now and I was kind of just in like a haze that morning, just like beer, food, okay. Um, and I went and I got myself uh, Anniversary Hoppy Ale. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Which hey. we found delicious it at was, the time. It was really good. And I was like, hey, do I recognize this? I don't know. But I want to see your Nevada six-pack for myself. So I bought that for myself. And then I had it for the first time yesterday. And I checked the date for the first time yesterday. And the date was December 19th, 2019. And I went, hmm, that's a five-month-old hoppy beer. Whoopsies. What am I going to get myself into? It wasn't like super oxidized or anything. But mm-hmm. It's not fresh. It just anymore. wasn't. Yeah, it just didn't have that bite to it. No, it's. I mean, I'll fit. I'll drink them, but it's not. It's not what I expected. That's on me, not on Sierra Nevada. But um, damn it, <laughs> new seasons. I, Why is that front and center five months old? I got. I get a question for you on the the bourbon barrel age 
uh, narwhal in a can. Go for it. I don't know this, um, and I don't drink a lot of them, so I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. And if and if you out there listening, you know, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know your experiences with this stuff. I feel like the can packaging format for bourbon barrel aged stuff is the wrong route to go in the sense of I don't know if the can is the optimal way to package that beer. Because when you do it in 22s or 12 ounce, when you do it in glass, I feel like there's naturally that area, that empty area that is backloaded with CO2 to kind of keep quality. But as that CO2 starts to dissipate, a little oxygen gets in there and you kind of want that oxygen in some of those beers after a while. But I wonder if just the canning process isn't the best route for that. When I see a bourbon barrel aged beer in a can, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Because like I remember last year I've been, it's not bourbon barrel aged, but I've been trying to collect stuff to do the vertical of Chaco Vesa from Stone. And the last couple of years they've canned it. And I've bought in the cans and I've put them in my cellar and I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't love this. And then last year, last year, 2019's version, I found it in 22s. Yeah. So I grabbed that 22 and that's in my cellar now. And I'd rather go that route because that's, in my opinion, the best way to sell our beers. I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I've had barrel aged stops in cans before and I'm trying to think. Plus, I feel like canning creates so much more waste. I think if I if I just very quickly look back at all those beers that I've had, I probably would agree that I tend to enjoy the canned barrel aged stouts less. Mm, okay, uh, that would include, uh, for example, Great Divide's Yeti, which mm. is in cans. Yeah, uh, the barrel aged version of it is. Or are they all barrel aged? I think no, there is a barrel aged version of it. Yeah, um, I've had that in cans. It was not as good as I expected it to be mm. based on, I didn't know canning and that, maybe that's, I'm just trying to make that connection. Right. But in cans that I've had like that before, yeah, you're right. It's kind of been disappointing. It does make it more affordable. I mean, right. I got a 11% beer for like four fifty instead of a 22 of for like $13. I just realized um, I think I have a 22 of oatmeal Yeti from 2015. Oh, you want to get into that someday? Sure. Cool. Because <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no, I kind of do. It's oh. one of my favorite bourbon barrel aged beers. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Hmm. It's probably the beer that that steered me into bourbon barrel aged stuff. Even though I'm not really into it, it was kind of the first one that I ever had that I was like, one one that I want. This is good. One that I want to get into more, but is expensive is Epic's Big Bad Baptist because mm-hmm. when I went to Epic in Denver I got their Baptist flight and they had all four of them mm-hmm. and it was delightful but anytime I see it in the store it's like this is a $15 beer and I'm like I know hmm. I know the really great ones to get into are that yeah the Epic Big Bad Baptist or Baptista stuff um obviously all the Fremont stuff you know I'm doing Dark Star but a lot of people are doing B-bombs and 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 stuff like that and then what was the other one I was just thinking of Oh crap! Oh, Firestone Walker. Firestone Walker has a ton of bourbon barrel aged stuff. Oh, that's they come the arrogant in the bastard, right? No, no, that's Stone. Um, Firestone that's Walker. Stone, they come in. They is arrogant bastard Stone? I don't remember. I don't drink that beer anyway. Um, the Firestone Walker stuff. They come in uh, like boxes, like cardboard boxes, like Parabola and Velvet Merlin and things like that. They have a bunch of different stuff that uh, Sticky Monkey, I think, is one of them as well. That's the kind of stuff. That if you really want to chase some of the cool, more local, coastal stuff, uh, Firestone Walker Fremont, that's kind of your jam yeah. there. 
Uh, and then finally, I uh, got the last of my, not vertical, but my personal fridge vertical of the Boneyard beers that are canned. I got mm. Hoppa Wheelie this week, and it is delightful. I'd actually never had Hoppa Wheelie before. I enjoyed the Hoppa Wheelie cans. I got it the first round. Uh, I think that if I'm going to order them uh, in terms of what I like the best, I'm going to say Hop Venom is number one. I mean, that is killer. That's what everybody keeps saying. Conrad told me, he was like, I had one the other day, and it was great, it's and great. I still haven't had one. Um, Hoppa Wheelie 2. Diablo Rojo 3, RPM 4. I know, isn't that interesting? The RPMs have been surprisingly, even in the same six-pack, inconsistent. Oh, really? Like, I've had a couple were like, wow, this is really good, and a couple were like, hmm, it's okay. I felt that a little bit with the Ratchet Strap and Barley Browns, to where I haven't had a bad uh, pallet jack yet. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was a really long week in beer. It's all right, man. So We gonna, had a good week in beer. We had a great week in beer. So I'm going to take a quick break. Sounds when we great come back, we will discuss the plan to reopen Oregon. And hope and pray that we'll be allowed to do some things soon. Dun, dun, dun. Beers on us. Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris, you, the listener. We love you. Back soon. There is some excitement in the state of Oregon. Is it this Block 15 IPA we're drinking right now? Uh, No, it's not. Uh, but we are drinking a Block 15 IPA right now. It, it's literally just called IPA. Yeah. Taking a, a page out of Frame's book. Yeah. And Breakside's book. Block 15 IPA. Um, I'll be honest. Very tiny. Not loving it as much as I thought I would. It's very different for a Block 15 beer. It is incredibly different for a Block 15 beer. I feel like um, I, when I opened it, I was like, this is going to be really, really good. It's solid. But um, it's not really standing out in any way to me. It's, I mean, I guess it's probably just a very basic IPA for them. And that's fine. <laughs> it's two days old great that's awesome i mean yeah that's awesome but i don't know i i expect better block 15 my my expectations are too high <laughs> i like it i like it i think it's a old school not old school old school meets new school west coast ipa uh it's got malt character it's piney it is piney it's not as citrusy as bitter bitter beer I'm not, it's not very bitter for me oh really yeah i'm not getting a lot of the bitterness out of it i think that's why i was a little bit surprised i was expecting kind of a very bitter west coast ipa and i'm getting more of a neutral middle ground ipa okay but we have different palettes and that's okay and that is okay um positivity abound in oregon as uh, depending on when you're listening to this we either are about to find out or already know which counties have been allowed to begin reopening here uh after or through the COVID 19 the vid uh pandemic and um cape brown said May 15th was the first date that she would allow certain counties, if they met a list of uh, stipulations, to reopen. And every single county in the state, except for Multnomah, Washington, and Clackamas, have requested to be reopened. Uh, That includes Marion County, which has a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. um, which is surprising. I I think it's the most cases... I don't know if it's the most, but it's in the top four with the three. Big I think ones it's the most cases per capita in the metro area. That's probably true. Yeah, um, but they're saying they have all the things they need in terms of hospital beds and ventilators and treatments yeah, and all that. Because I think of what stuff. I heard is I think where Marion County got most of their cases was from one centralized spot. Well, Salem so, probably right. No, no, no. Like one specific building. Oh. And so that's they have thousands of cases though. That was all like one building. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of something in Eastern Oregon. Um, but yeah, so I, every county except for the the big three metro area counties have have applied to be reopening. We don't know who is reopened yet. 
Um, but the thought is that most of the more rural counties will be allowed to reopen. Uh, that would include some that are nearby to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yamhill County, where all the wineries are, might be reopening this week. We might see some of the coast counties reopen this week, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting to begin phase one. And then there's also talk that Washington, Multnomah, Clackamas are going to reopen together because there's so much intermingling between the three counties. It kind of just makes sense. Yeah, I was um, in two of them today. Right, and I was too. Um, I live in one of them, and yeah. I work in one of them. <laughs> so I, I live in both. No po for life. <laughs> I I read or I heard somewhere that they might be thinking early June to apply for mm-hmm. the for the three of us in the metro area, which is still great because we're halfway through May. Right. So that means a couple of weeks until there's a thought that we would have all the things we need to start reopening and begin phase one. Um, phase one, this is not in front of me, but it does include restaurants uh, allowing sit-down service with restrictions, uh, it allows salons, nail like nail salons, hair salons, all that kind of stuff to reopen. It allows gyms to reopen. Gyms is a big one. Uh, there's a, another one or two categories that I'm probably forgetting right now, but um, it's actually a pretty good amount of things that are important to people in phase one. Yeah, um, they aren't essential, but they're definitely like key perks of life. Right, like getting your hair cut is not essential, but it is something that we all do. Right. Unless you're bald like me and I just do it myself. Yeah, you haven't had to worry about that. I haven't paid for a haircut in years. Yes. I did um, bleach my hair. That I, is true. But my friends paid for that. Ooh, right. Um, I am at the point now where this is probably the longest my hair has ever been uh, or or close to it. Damn, son. Yeah, I don't get my hair, let my hair grow long. Um, I, I might be like a week or two from the the maximum length because there were times in college where I'd go two, three, four months without getting it. You should let it go, baby. Yeah, I'm not going to. (laughs) Um, Because I'm at right now, I was supposed to get my hair cut two or three weeks ago and I always get it at five weeks. So I'm about two months without a haircut Mm. and it's pretty long. I actually still think it looks pretty good. Yeah. But like my side hair is getting all curly and stupid and I tried to kind of like beard hair trim it. And it just did not work the same way as my beard hair. Like, I put the trimmer and I put it on the setting that I wanted it on. Mm-hmm. I forget what number it was. And I was like, and the hair just curled up above it. And I was like, <laughs> like this it, is not going to work very like well. Like, it saw it coming and just yeah. like, ah! It was like, no, 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 no. This is the longest I've ever been. I'm tall, I'm tall, I'm tall. Um, so for me, honestly, most important, actually, is probably the gym for me. I've been running a lot, but uh, I want to be able to go back to the gym and like work out and mm-hmm. lift. Number two is haircuts, and then number three would be restaurants for me. Um, so I'm just hopeful because we in Oregon are doing fairly well considering how other states are doing. And uh, even though I don't think this is going to be the case, I hope that we get great news out of Georgia and Florida and Texas and mm. that the cases aren't going up and that they don't lie about it. Um, despite the fact that they're reopening everything. Uh, because the scary thing is what we saw in Seoul, South Korea, is they were basically done dealing with it, and they reopened nightclubs, mm-hmm. and one person had it, and now they have to find two or 3,000 people contact tracing, and yep. at least 70 caught it from him. Mm-hmm. Or four, somewhere between 50 and 70 caught it from him alone. And already bars and nightclubs are closed again. And that's in South Korea where things were going like almost perfectly, Yeah, considering. So that worries me, but selfishly, I'm also excited for things to try to return somewhat back to normal. Right. And, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, Oregon's done really well. And I think, I think our state is, is pretty lucky. Um, 
you know, California and Washington, you know, they got hit pretty hard. You know, they're still not in a great spot right now, but because we're sandwiched in, we kind of played ball with them, which I, I personally like that approach. I think it kept us ahead of the curve. And I'm still shocked that we didn't get hit like they did. I thought we were next. Well, yeah, and I think it's because we jumped at the same time they did. We wait, didn't wait to see the numbers spike like theirs did. Um, and so it would be cool to see if we can be at the forefront and again be advanced to open before them. I also really love that Governor Brown's approach to this is county by county. I think that is a super smart move. I think it is a move that should be done in all states thinking about reopening just because in all states, like there is no state that is not this way. There are counties that are different than other counties. Well, yeah, I mean, Deschutes County has very few cases of this. Well, uh, and their I numbers just, are tiny. Well, and I just mean even in population density. No, that's true. Like you <clears> go all the way down, like to Malheur County or however yeah, you pronounce you, it. Uh, there's like nothing there. You go, you go to Southeast Oregon. There's not a lot of population down there, and you know it's it's the tricky thing about you know state voting is you know a lot of times rural gets upset. You know the state of Oregon legislature, the high end stuff is all kind of dictated by Washington, Multnomah, and and Clackamas County because that's the population density. So I do kind of like that they're looking at it and saying, okay, you are in wherever Pendleton, whatever county Pendleton is in, they can open up, but Multnomah can't. I am very much in support of that. So yes. I like I like that's the route we're going. Um. I'm curious how we're going to deal with it locally in the metro area of like, uh, again, I don't know the names of all the counties, whatever county Hood River is in. Imagine Hood River opens and then like... I believe it's Hood River County. Oh, well then perfect. <laughs> A slew of Portland metro area people who are not technically supposed to be leaving because their counties are still closed <clears throat> are going to go to Hood River and they're going to go to Wine Country and Yamhill County and they're going to go to the coast and yep. they're going to go to Tillamook County and they're the, going to go to Lincoln County. The, the coast is the big one to me. And it's like, especially if the weather mm -hmm. gets nice again. Um, is that okay? I don't think it is, but most people are going to do it anyway because we've been cooped up for three months. Right. So I'm curious about how that's going to go because like, hey, we can't go out to a restaurant yet, but you know what we can do? We can drive 30 minutes into wine country, into a different county, and go to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So is that okay? Are people? I'm assuming people are going to do that even if it's not okay. Yeah, well, I mean, if, I think one thing <clears throat> that could prevent that, but also keep down the, you know, re-spike and the re-pandemic hitting wave. again is... The phase one reopening guidance. Um, I have it in front of me. Okay. It is the sectors for restaurants, bars, breweries, tasting rooms, distilleries. Uh, tasting rooms do also uh, encompass wineries. Specific guidance for restaurants, bars, breweries, brew pubs, wineries, tasting rooms, and distilleries. Um, a lot of this stuff all kind of makes sense. Um, businesses must minimize hand-to-hand -hand contact, uh, cleanliness, all this kind of stuff. Mask, glove. <clears throat> stuff that we in the restaurant, <clears throat> excuse me, stuff me in the restaurant industry have have always done. It's just going to have to go to another level, which we're prepped for. We can all do that. The tricky thing about all this is the distance and occupancy. And I don't want to be too boring, but I do want to read some of this. Uh, businesses must determine a maximum occupancy to maintain physical distancing requirements and limit number of customers on premises accordingly. I think it's like I know in, in Washington, it's like phase one is 25, two is 50. Three is 75%, four is 100%. Occupancy. Occupancy. Yeah. 
Uh, businesses must ensure tables are spaced at least six feet apart so that at least six feet uh, between parties is maintained, including when customers approach or leave tables. Businesses will need to determine seating configuration and comply with these. Remove or restrict seating to facilitate the requirements of at least six feet of physical distance between people not in the same party. If booth seating is back-to-back, only use every other booth. Limit parties to 10 or fewer. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything weird about that. Don't combine parties in shared seating, cha- seating situations who have not chosen to congregate together. That's like beer hall style, you know, open communal seating, things like if you go to Montage under the under the Morrison Street Bridge, yeah. that's all kind of communal seating. Or like Ten Barrel has <clears throat> communal like picnic tables in there. Right, right. You would have to just do one per table. Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, if you can't, you become only pickup to go. Um, this applies indoor and outdoor seating. Uh, you can have brief interactions. For example, deliver food to a table, but it can't just be like hanging out there. Right. Um, I think all that stuff makes sense. I think, um, you know, that, that's, that's the safest way to do it right now. Yeah, it's smart. My, my, I, I have concerns about it though. And, and I do want to preface with this that these are my concerns. These are Patrick Harris's concerns. These are not uh, opinions reflected from the company that I work for, nor am I willing to or at liberty to discuss things. We are planning and, and deciding and trying to figure out all aspects, but these are just my opinions on this. And I, I don't know how many places, breweries, tap rooms, wineries, even a lot of restaurants, how many seats they're going to be able to do this with. And if that financially, when you put labor costs, food costs on top of that, if it's worth doing. Yeah, the question I had was more about the the walkway space. Like, I, I can imagine most places doing six feet between tables. Six feet between tables is no big deal. You can make that happen. But if the walkway <clears throat> has to be six feet, um, and so I'm six four, mm-hmm. and I imagine myself laying on the ground yep. four inches shorter, that's a lot of space. Yep. Uh, and again, with tables, that's doable, but... You got to think about people getting up from the chair. They're getting closer to the person uh, that's behind them. Uh, Walkway-wise, a lot of restaurants and bars in this town are small. They're little Mm -hmm. hole-in-the-wall places, or they're interesting buildings, or they're strangely shaped, or there's upstairs and downstairs to get more tables. And I feel like that would be the most difficult part of it. Not the tables, but the walkways. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm five seven. I'm just under five seven. And if you think about it, unless you're Scottie Pippen. Your wingspan is about your height. So when I put my arms out. I have no out, idea how long my wingspan is. When I put my arms out, my wingspan Caw-caw. at at five seven, are, I'm probably pretty close. I've, I've never had overly long arms or anything like that. My father had a torso that was just massive. Same pant length. He was 5'11". Oh. We had the same pant length. Yeah, I'm 5'7". Clearly the man was all torso. Four inches <laughs> of extra torso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big chest, huge shoulders. Um, <clears throat> so... I kind of and and I'm only five seven, so I'm not even six feet in an arm in an arm span, and that is a lot of space. Yeah, and I'm just imagining Slab Towns downstairs. I mean, that's even you putting your arms out. Mm-hmm. That's a large majority of the downstairs area, mm-hmm. just in the walkway space that you need. Yeah, and I, you know, and I. You know, I, I've, I've, we fortunately have, you know, our GMs of the pubs working on that stuff. So I haven't thought a whole lot about, about how Breakside's going to tackle that. But I just think it was about, just the first thing that came to mind right, was like, totally. that is not the biggest restaurant space in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you put your arms out, I mean, 
the way it normally is set up, you're probably covering two rows of tables just with your arms out. So I start I start thinking about other places that I like to go. Um, I want to use inner urban for an example. I don't. I haven't spoken to those guys. I don't know anything they're thinking of. I just I've been there a million times, and I'm just thinking about the space. Even if you take out the bar seating, the distance between the bar and the wall when you walk past to head to the bathrooms or to the outdoor patio might be seven feet. Might be. And if that's the case, there's no two-way traffic, right? In right. theory. Right. So, that, so that's kind of, those are kind of like the base principles. I think, you know, we were talking off, off, off air on this, like a place like Deschutes. They're huge. The Lucky Lab uh, in Northwest Von on Ebert. 18th and Overton. Von Ebert. They might, they might be able to figure something out because they're so large. But I just know, especially some of the restaurants, like some of my favorite restaurants. One of my favorite restaurants in town is Han Oak. Another one is Revelry. There's, I, I can't, I can't fathom how they would make that happen. So it leads me to believe that I think a lot of restaurants. Um, I've read some articles. I've heard some quotes from Chef's Table, and which which are a big player in restaurants in town. That it seems to me as if a lot of people might be looking to skip Phase One. Hmm. That would be slightly depressing. Uh, however, I'm okay with it. Because we still can get takeout and delivery. Right. Um, the nice thing about that is that in this weird world, I have still been able to get largely the food that I want mm -hmm. based on, you know, I don't live in the city. So, like, I'm not making trips into the city to get my favorite restaurants. However, uh, I know that I can if I want to. I know I can get food from most of the places that I like to go um, if I really, really wanted to. And some are even delivering now. They added themselves to delivery services and actually are delivering pretty far like out of the city, too, mm -hmm. um, just because it's more customers. Right. I had Kenny and Zooks delivered to me nice. on the west side from downtown. Nice. Uh, and, you know, I love Kenny and Zooks and I love Jewish deli food. I am Jewish after all. And it was uh, it was lovely that they delivered it to me. I was like, this is fantastic. Um, so. That sucks because like there's there's such a communal normalcy to going to restaurants or bars and just kind of hanging out and talking mm -hmm. to people and thinking that maybe a lot of restaurants will skip phase one is is not the best thought, but it's not the most important of the phase one things to me because I can still do it. Right. I cannot <clears throat> go to the gym right now. I and cannot I, go to any gym. I cannot I'm, go get my haircut right now, but I can still get the beer and food and whatever that I want. It's just different. I'm with you on that. I don't go to a gym. I have no intention to go to a gym. I do not need to pay for somebody to cut my hair. I have no intention to pay for somebody to cut my hair. But just because it doesn't affect me doesn't mean I don't see your side. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I am just restaurants and bars, man. I'm just worried about it. The only thing is, the only thing that's like kind of kind of a little bit of a double standard, but not really because I don't want to open that can of worms, is people are still really close to each other at grocery stores. There is no, they can social distance as much as they want in terms of like standing in line to check out and waiting to get in and limiting the number of people. But I'm doing my part and I'm trying, doing, I'm doing my part trying as well. to keep my space. But like I'm, I'm at new seasons from time to time and there's people stocking the shelves and it's like, I need to get on the other side of you. I'm going to have to walk past you. And I mean, do we just hold our breath and don't touch anybody sort of thing? So that's, that's tricky to where you're going to run into that in a restaurant as well. I look at it this way as a manager at a restaurant. 
uh, again, I speak for myself. I don't I don't speak for Breakside Brewery on this. The last thing I want to do is I do not want to rehire my staff to train them the new normal just to shut down again and lay them all off again. I don't want to do that. So my philosophy is I'm staying away from this politically. Um, I, I, I want no, I have no interest in this politically. I'm only interested in this in science, which in terms is political. Um, if they tell me it's okay, I'm ready to go. If they tell me to wait, I'm going to wait. Okay. Because I am not interested in doing this again. My job is my jo- I'm very fortunate to have a job and my job is pretty straightforward. It's not, it's not difficult. But I don't. It's not really interesting right yeah, now. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't. You know, I don't. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. And if it means wait for a little bit longer and power through, then I will do that. You know, in terms of my psyche, you know, I, I'm desperately missing sports right now. But in time, in terms of my psyche, Bundesliga back in a couple of days, I know, baby. Here we go. Um, in terms of my psyche and what I'm able to do, I'm I'm okay. I can do this longer. I worry about the mental breakdown. If we think everything's okay, just to shut it down again. I don't want to do what Soul had to do. Yeah. That sounds rough. I mean I mean, I, I, I feel confident that I'm a strong enough person that I will be able to maintain it mentally. And I think, you know, a lot of people that I know will be able to maintain it mentally, but it still is gonna take a toll. Yeah, I think then you're back to ground zero. I think a key too, and this is something that I, I was looking for today. I didn't see it yet. Um we're recording this on Wednesday, by the way. So by the time you're listening to this, you might already know this answer. But there was a scientist we've been talking about on the big radio show um, who's a former Stanford guy who has his own lab, and they've been working on the antibody treatment, Mm. not a vaccine, not a cure, but a treatment. And he was saying that today, Wednesday, on March 13th, May 13th, 13th, he was going to release a press release about what they've been finding. Uh, His talk on Twitter has been increasingly positive about this antibody solution. If there is a readily available treatment... I feel like that means that things can be accelerated a little bit 100%. because if anybody gets sick, they can be treated for it. 100%. The treatment doesn't make it go away immediately. Uh, think of it like Tamiflu, if you know what Tamiflu mm-hmm. is. If you get the flu <clears throat> and you go to the doctor within, I think it's 48 hours, you can get Tamiflu, which reduces the severity of the symptoms and makes the flu last for a shorter duration of the time. It yep. does not get rid of it. It just reduces it. Mm-hmm. This would be similar to that. It would not get rid of COVID nineteen. It would just make the symptoms less severe, and it would make the length of time you deal with it. It speeds shorter. up your. It speeds up your immune system. Yes, is basically what it does. And if we have that readily available and it's ready to go, I don't see why. I mean, it's not going to be like this because we're going to be cautious. We honestly, at that point, could probably just like open. Yeah. Because think about the flu, right? Mm. Yes, people die from the flu. I'm not ignoring mm. that, but and we and we live through flu season too. Yeah, you if know, you when, if you get the flu and you get Tamiflu, generally you get. Better. Can you tell you how many times in the holidays, you know, I, I you know, in my 15 years working at the restaurant, whether a a, a ground floor worker or, or in management, that you come around the holidays and you know I got five people calling out sick on a Friday and you're like scrambling to try to figure right. something out. It it. it as, as long as, you know, assuming that it's safe and people aren't dying, that's something we deal with all the time. And I think, you know, again, this is, there's so much information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. From what I've read, this might not ever go away. It might become another flu mm-hmm. where like every year they come out with a flu mm-hmm. shot and a COVID shot and you get them to yep. make sure you don't get it. Um, we just need to get to that point. Right. We need a vaccine so that we can get to that point. But if we have a treatment, then at least 
that means that we we have a an avenue to deal with it versus just hey we're gonna put you in a hospital and hopefully you get better and if you don't we're gonna put you on a ventilator and that's not good news and we're gonna try all these things that maybe will work and it works for some people it doesn't work for other people it's like no this will work that's good mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. again from the time we're recording this we haven't heard from from the doctor yet but hopefully uh, by the time you're hearing this we will know uh, what the what the avenue of that is? I've um, been very yeah. lucky. I haven't I haven't come across a whole lot of misinformation. Uh, Good. That's probably because I just listen to scientists. Mm. I'm and, a big science guy. Yeah, I don't know anything about science. You just like science. Well, the only thing You're that, pro science. Well, the only thing that refutes science is better science. Mm. Yeah, right. M- my opinion doesn't make science wrong. Anyway, and I made it political. Huzzah! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, Let's get into beer of the week. I yeah, have two let's beer. Get back to beer. I have two beers in front of us. We could just do both of them. I don't know. I picked one because I wanted to find one that we had both had. Hint, I hint. If, I don't know if we have time, amigo. To do both? Yeah, you got time? No. Okay. I just looked at the clock and went, yeah. oh, crap. Yeah, we're going to do one. We'll do one. Uh, we'll figure it out. Beer of the week. Next, beers on us, Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. Hopefully, we are close to the end. Beer of the week time. Crack the can open. Here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. So cool. And the coolest man. Um, hey guys, just drink already. Barrel like <laughs> beers. Imaginary creatures is the beer of the week. Collab with Von Ebert. Uh, it, it does say Von Ebert on the bottom. Very good. Von Ebert. Uh, collab. So uh, this is a very, very interesting style that I have no idea what it's going to be like. It is a dry hopped triple. Um, the side of the can says imaginary creatures. It is a Belgian style triple ale dry hopped with El Dorado hops, and it is an eight percent. As to be expected, as you get higher in the uh, the counting in the Belgian yep. beers, you go pour yourself your your pint there, sir. Um, I saw this on the shelf today at Zupans, and I went dry hopped triple. That sounds like the opposite attracting kind of thing because. Triples are all of those, you know, doubles, triples, quads are all kind of sweet Belgian-y forward beers with kind of like fruity flavors and, you know, fig and all that kind of stuff. But to hear dry hopped El Dorado, I'm like, huh, I wonder how that's going to counteract some of the general sweetness that you get in a lot of these Belgian beers, excuse me. And um, so I grabbed it off the shelf and I'm a little bit nervous about the 8%, but that's why we're only having half of a pint or half of a shaker glass, I should say. And uh, shaker punch. I'm very, very interested to to see what this tastes like. Yeah, <laughs> this is a style. Oh, it does not smell like I thought it would. I know I smelled it too, and it, I, I was a little. I was like, oh, okay. Um, this is a style of beer that I am not super familiar with. Um, I don't. Oh, I, that's good, Patrick. I, I really. Yeah. I don't drink a ton of Belgian inspired beers. Um, you don't tend to like the sweeter stuff, so yeah. And and there's I think, a very syrupy feel when you get into some of those high ABV Belgian uh, beers. Uh huh. They're they're you know they're malt forward. They're yeast driven. You know, I'm I'm a West Coast kid. You know, that's born and raised. You know, I I, I want my haps. Spokane, haps. Portland, Pullman, Portland. Lived in Seattle for a hot second. And Vancouver too. too. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a West Coast kid, so I don't, you know, and I, you know, I work for a brewery that we don't make a ton of this stuff. You know, Natalie makes some of this stuff every once in a while up at up at Deacon, but 
Uh, we don't make a ton of this stuff, so I'm not overly exposed to it. And it's not something I gravitate towards on the shelf. So I'm I'm glad you brought something in like this for Beer of the Week because it, it allows me to it is unique drink something that I don't normally drink. Well, my first two sips of it, um, I didn't know what to expect. Honestly, the nose is not the best. Like it's kind of like that's not what I expected this to smell like. Um, the taste is is. Instantly, you get the dry hopped hop off the top. I get a ton of hop character in this. And then it kind of slowly fades into the sweeter, more triple kind of fruity, syrupy thing at the back end of it. And I think it works really well because it really cuts some of the the kind of, I don't want to say bad flavors, but the more often than not disliked flavors in, in really strong Belgian beers by putting in the really strong dry hopped character in the beginning. He's not wrong, Bob. That's uh Thanks Bob. Yeah, that's uh I I think that is well put Mike. I to be honest with you, I don't have much to add. I think I think you nailed it there. The 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 booze, the booze flavor is 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 low, which is great. It's pretty minimal, yeah. Um the hop character, yeah, right up front, really great. Kind of boom, there we go. And then yeah, kind of subtly slowly creeps back into that Belgian life and gets, it's a little thick on the back end, uh, but that could be a personal preference. I also think that's the, the style. Yeah, I think you know? so too. Um, <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Hey, that means I'm getting better. You are. At you tasting are. beer and describing beer. Well, and I that mean, makes me happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, you know, I, I tend to be the hop guy. You're the malt guy. Correct. And I like that. Correct. But I am becoming increasingly more of a hop guy as well. Not in replacement of malt, but uh, I'm becoming a, a both. Something I've said before, I'm an everything man. I'm becoming an everything man, except for hazies. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're getting better with sours. Yeah, I had that Occam's Hazer from Barley Browns. I, I thought it wasn't bad. Well, I don't know if I'll buy it again, but if someone gave it to me, I'd be like, okay. See, here's the thing is, I thought it wasn't bad. <laughs> nah, that, I probably I wouldn't buy it again, but... <laughs> Yeah, okay. I know. You're trying know. to stretch yourself into being borderline hazy guy. You're not. I know. That's like, you know, I don't hate tomatoes on burgers. I'll just take it off. <laughs> I also hate tomatoes on burgers. Yeah, by the it's way. just not my thing. I'm not a big tomato it, guy in general. Me neither. But if the tomato is really fresh, like if you've ever had a, a caprese salad where the tomato sure. and mozzarella. Sure. Um, but some, to- some nice heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. It, but if you get a really fresh tomato, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the... There's so often you get the tomato that's like slightly soggy and there's a little translucence to it. And you're like, nope, yep. nope, nope. This is stringy when I put it in my mouth and I hate it. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. I kind of led you into that uh, one. Um, I, don't, I don't like ketchup either. Uh, I am. If ketchup is delivered on my plate, I will. Uh, indulge. In, not fully indulge, but I'll take a couple couple dabs at it. Yeah. I will never ask for ketchup. Uh, I do not like tomato soup. Uh, in fact, I hate tomato oh, soup. Oh, I kind of like tomato soup. Oh, that's interesting. Cream. Uh, I hate Bloody Marys. Oh, yeah, anti-Bloody Marys. And uh, Vodka? Gross. Uh, tomato juice? Ugh. Ketchup is fine, but I will always pick a different uh, dipping sauce other than ketchup, although Portland ketchup is delightful, and I'm quite a big fan of that one. Um, but yeah, hot tomato takes. <laughs> yeah, right. In the middle of a dry hop triple for some reason. Um, uh, I don't love this can, Art. Yeah, me neither. It's not my thing. No. It kind of looks a little bit like uh, weird, like avant-garde art. Is that the right way to describe it? I don't know. I just don't care for it. Cool. No offense. Me neither. The other beer that we didn't choose for Beer of the Week, which I'll just drink when I go home, is uh, 
Uh, Ruse German Salt Pilsner. Uh, can art, I love. Delightful. I wanted to get the Between Two Worlds Pale that we both had, which would have been funny if I brought that in and you were like, hey, I know that beer. <laughs> uh, the only ruse that, that, was, that was there was this German Salt Pilsner, but I'm going to try that when I go home today, tomorrow, whatever. I'll, I'll well... I'll talk about it next week. Most I don't likely. think I've had this Pilsner. I've had the other one. It's a yellow can with okay. a tree on it, I think. Okay. Haven't that seen I'm, that. Is so. that what I'm thinking of? I don't know. I know it's a yellow can. I liked that. I quite liked that. Uh, also, a uh, quick addition. Uh, I forgot to talk about this in the Week in Beer. I think I might have talked about this in the podcast before, but uh, I got another Wolf Tree beer that I thought was really good. Mm. It was the Ship Biscuit Stout. Uh, delightful stout. Okay. Really good. I've actually really enjoyed a couple of their beers. I, we brought the one in, the kind of, it was the interesting Hef, right, that we brought in. Oh, yeah. The pomegranate Hef. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was from them. And uh, I think they make good beer. So next time you're there and you see some Wolf Treat, give it a try for me, okay? Okay. Let me know what you think. And that goes for you too, listeners. I thought you were talking to me. Well, both. I'm listening. I'm watching. Always watch. <laughs> Only if you post it to me. Otherwise, I literally can't see you. Yeah, otherwise I'm not watching. Yeah, I'm not watching you at all. But, I'm outside uh, of every one of your houses. Tell me what you think of these breweries that I'm talking about. Um, all right, so uh, we'll be back next week, every single Thursday around 4 o'clock. We will post this. We've been super consistent with it, despite the weirdness of the COVID-19 coronavirus BS. Um, but uh, we are still here for you. We're going to yep. start doing, I think, a little bit of more kind of just talking around beer mm-hmm. episodes we did one called two guys talking ah, about a month or so ago uh we just kind of want to there's not a lot of stuff we can do right now mm-hmm. and we just kind of want to talk and yeah we'll shoot the ass pop culture whatever you know yeah anything that doesn't have to be beer related we just we'll have a beer in front of us and we'll Sports, talk about it music whatever comes to mind science if you've got any sort of topics you want us to talk about jam bands that'll be a lot of you um <laughs> If, if we are at all interested in it, we will do that. So you can let us know, of course, social media, Instagram.com slash beers and us. Battlestar Galactica. That'll be a thousand percent you. Um, uh, at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter and Patrick's at PTD085 on Instagram. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Omniradio.com. Subscribe, rate, review. We love you. Stay safe. Be smart. Hopefully where you live is a county that opens and you can do things. Yeah. By the time you're listening to this. Holla. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Traces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.